When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. Hi, and thanks for listening to The Family Brain. I'm your host, Megan Gibson, and today I'll be talking with Isha Clearfield, who is the founder of The Enriched Family, which helps support families with strategies for organization and almost like a project management for families to help families run more smoothly and get organized and just an extra support for families to help you feel more efficient in what you're doing. And it's funny because when I was originally going to talk to her, I was thinking, well, I, I don't know that I need that. You know, we're, we're fine. And the more I spoke with her, I'm like, it just really can help to have an outside perspective to take a look at what you're doing and what's working and what isn't working and how you can get to the next place. Because I think we so often get in just uh, cycles that it's hard to get out of and you just kind of take for granted, oh yeah, I do that. One of the things she really helped me with after this call was getting my kids to be more involved in things around the house, which I just think I kind of had given up on, not given up on, but just, oh, that's one more thing to bother with. And um she just helped encourage me and sort of get me on a better track with that. So that was really great. So anyway, hope you enjoyed this conversation with Isha Clearfield. Hi, Isha. Thank you so much for talking with me today. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you, Megan. So one of the things I'm interested to hear more about Enriched Family because I feel like I know snippets of what you do. But before we talk about your business, I was wondering if we could talk a little bit about what got you to the point of being interested in helping families sort of organize and manage their lives. Oh, I'd love to. Really, it was my experience becoming a parent. Um, You know, uh, we are like the many dual career households where my husband and I both work uh, outside of the home and have pretty busy careers that require travel. Um, And... I was in the consulting business doing research and project management, traveling all over the place. And then I had little kids. Uh, We had no family in town. Um, And so it was really trying to figure out all the things that parents have to do, you know, in terms of camps and schools and various resources and, and things of that nature. And I just thought, surely I am not the only parent who is facing this. Um, 
And so I, I wanted to, I looked around and did some market research and I saw there was really no one offering supportive services to professional parents um, in a real comprehensive way. And so I, I just, having gone through our, my own struggles, I wanted to help support other parents in terms of, you know, in the life cycle of a family. So from back to work plans and systems for folks returning to work after maternity or paternity leave, all the way through looking at college comparisons and facilitating conversations around college affordability issues. Um, and so it really sprang from my desire to support other parents and also my desire to have a more flexible schedule for my kids and oh, my I family. Yeah. Well, and it's so interesting to me when you're talking about like women returning to work, because I feel like it's one of those things when you have a child I think it's one of those things that you really have trouble anticipating what your experience will be. And even the best laid plans, you know, I had yes. a very clear plan of what my experience would be and my experience laughed at me and just yes. kept on going. Um, <laughs> yes. So how do you work with families when they're sort of coming upon a change or know that mm -hmm. they're going to be adding a new member to their family or going mm -hmm. to be, how do you work with people to sort of anticipate um, what are some things that might be challenging? I think part of it is sitting down with them and getting a sense of what their current dynamics are, uh, because that can give some insight. And then I look at kind of the main areas. So obviously making sure that childcare is covered um, and that there are backup plans, you know, comparing the daycare schedule or or the preschool schedule to their work schedule um, in terms of vacation days and things like that. So very just nuts and bolts, nuts and bolts kind of practical uh, things. And then also talking through if the parent's going to breastfeed um, or, or bottle feed, because obviously that makes a big difference in, in the transition back to work or some combination of both. Um, so I look at a lot of those different areas and get a sense of where the partnership is, if there's a partnership. Um, but a lot of it is, is hard because you're right. I mean, as parents, I don't think we're, I don't think we are prepared for both the identity shift that happens when we become parents, especially moms, um, and kind of the struggle to balance our professional, personal, and, you know, parental identities. Yeah. And so some of that is, you know, starting out with a plan and saying to, to my clients, this may change and that's mm -hmm. okay. That's normal with kids. You're constantly evolving and you think you've got it down and then you're like, whoops, okay. Everything's different now. Right. Um, then you get that so, one email from the teacher and you're like, ah, oh, I thought um, we were nailing it. Yes. <laughs> and you're like, not nailing it anymore. Yeah. Exactly. So I think it's being flexible and prepared to respond to as things change and evolve for the family. Okay. Yeah. Cause one of the things in this series for maternal health, one of the things that I'm realizing when I was anticipating having kids is that I did a lot of research and planning in my own mind and, you know, learning about, um, childbirth and, mm -hmm. um, which despite my research kind of went a different direction and, mm -hmm. um, how to get your child to sleep. Those are kind yes. of the things I knew about, you know, and I, I was like, okay, I've studied up. And I had never heard about um, creating sort of a postpartum plan of like, mm -hmm. how do you get all these things accomplished when you're dealing with a new human? 
And I already mentioned to somebody at one point, I remember, I mean, this happened a few times before I was like, this is a bad idea. I was cooking with the baby Bjorn on me (laughs) and just really trying to hunch so that, you know, I wasn't too close to the stove. And I was like, what am I doing? You know? And it's until you get to those moments where Mm. you're like, I could be doing it differently, but you're so in the weeds at that point that it's hard to think clearly. Oh, I think that is such a great point. I think that we spend a lot of time preparing for the birth, um, but we spend very little time preparing for the child Mm -hmm. in many ways. You know, I I was talked to a a cousin recently who is about to have her first child. And she said, what do you wish you would have done differently? And I said, taking a baby care class. You know, making sure I had all my CPR um, up to date. It's it's all those things that you just don't think about. Right. Um, and figuring out my plan. I had the best laid plans. I had a wonderful, supportive boss. Um, and yet I was able to get FMLA, but I was still very isolated. And I had one of the best situations, mm-hmm. right? I had a boss who would allow me to work from home a couple days a week, bring my child to work. All of it sounded amazing. Mm -hmm. But the reality is I had an infant that didn't take regular naps. And I was trying to do conference calls from home with the baby Bjorn bouncing up and down. Mm -hmm. Um, Or I was trying to bring her to work and work, but she was awake. So I think a lot of times we think, oh, this is all doable. Um, And I'll just, you know, work full-time, but I'll only have her in part-time daycare. It was mm-hmm. my great idea. Right. And, and it just was terrible. Yeah. It's so hard. hard. Well, and it's not, it's a human. It's not like a chia pet that just sits no. on the shelf while you're f- finishing your call, you know? Exactly. And I so mean, you just feel like you're failing everywhere. Right. You know, you feel like you're failing as a mom and then as, as a professional as right. well. Mm-hmm. Well, and for me, I didn't go back to work right away. And so I think it's easy. I mean, the the whole like mom wars of like, well, you do oh, this yeah. and I do that. And I mean, it's just kind of hard any way you slice it. You know what I mean? It, and there's going to be different challenges in different places. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's one of the biggest things that even now, I think I sometimes like when people say, well, I work, I'm like, well, you work. Mm-hmm. And then somebody else is doing that other part. So they are working too. You know what right. I mean? So I think it's like almost that... Um, minimization of the the caretaking aspect that we all do. Like we're all kind of collectively in on this. And I think the more we sort of break it down into like, these are all the things that need to happen. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what, where it sounds like your business comes in is like, there's actually a really long list of all the things we kind of take for granted. And so what are some of the things, like the biggest things that you think people like even people who are like aren't feeling organized. What are what are some things that you think that people don't realize? Like, okay, this actually takes more time than you than you think it does. Is that in a, terms of the transition back to work, or well, no, just, just in terms yeah. of the tradition of having a family and like oh. making sure all the family pieces are rolling. I think there is so much work involved that it's hard to even know sometimes where to begin. I think people, you know, you, you might have a division of labor that's working for you. And then suddenly you throw kids in the mix with you and your partner and it can totally change everything Mm -hmm. um, because of the amount of time that's 
involved. Um, and so one of the things I do is sit down with, with parents and we talk through the current division of labor and where the challenges are mm-hmm. and decide whether or not we need to divide it up more or delegate it or things of that nature. But I think you made such a good point in terms of saying um, that there is all this care work. It's not valued. It's often not paid very well. Um, whether you're a stay-at-home parent or you have a nanny or a daycare worker, these folks are not being paid significant amounts of money and they're doing a very important job. And mm-hmm. so I think there's a lot to be done in our society to kind of, from a policy perspective, my background is in public policy. So I always kind of look at it from that lens to support working parents. And I think it comes from looking at it, you know, to support both um, both mothers and fathers um, and single parents as well, um, to be sure that they're getting the support they need um, to do their jobs well. Yeah. Well, and one of the things when you're talking, somebody was had mentioned to me once, um, well, have you, because when I feel sort of overwhelmed with just all the things that are going on in our family and somebody mentioned, well, have you ever thought about writing it all down? And Mm -hmm. there are, there's like the tasks, right? Like emptying the dishwasher, Mm -hmm. getting the laundry, getting everybody up for school, Mm -hmm. backpack, sign the band practice paper, you know, all this stuff. But then there's also this other part that I think it would be hard for me to quantify, which is like the mental load of like how much I think about like, how is that going today? They had Mm -hmm. trouble with this the other day or, and even when they were little, like, okay, they didn't sleep. Are they going to sleep? later and how that, how is that, there's just like all this sort of internal Mm -hmm. stuff that happens too. And I think that's more challenging to quantify. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's why it helps to sit down and write it out Mm -hmm. as much as possible, at least the practical things. Um, I think a lot of the mental load that happens around, oh, is my kid doing okay in this area, or my kid is struggling with anxiety, what resources do I need to look for, for them? That is a lot harder to quantify. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. And I think that sometimes that can tend to weigh more heavily on the, the mother. Um, and that, and I don't want to be sexist. It's just in talking to most of my friends and in reading scholarship on this issue, what you find is uh, particularly heterosexual couples, they don't talk about who's going to do what. And so it ends up kind of falling in this very gendered pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, where, whereas the research shows other couples, there was a New York Times article recently about how to make your marriage more gay. Um, mm-hmm. And it was basically saying, you know, uh, obviously it was a little bit of clickbait, but the idea was in gay couples, what you have is there isn't this automatic assumption of labor falling on gendered lines. Mm-hmm. And so there is more of a discussion about it. Yeah. Um, and that makes a very big difference in terms of marital satisfaction is what all the studies show is even if it's not equal. And I, I think this idea of equality is not always, it, it, it's not totally realistic. Right. So even if, you know, tit for tat, but at least if you've had the conversation and, and talked about the work and who's going to do what, I think you see a lot more marital satisfaction over time. Yeah. And so what is, what in your experience of sitting down with couples, what, what, I mean, I'm sure there's not a magic wand to get Mm -hmm. everybody on the same page, but Mm -hmm. is there any typical like resistance you see or typical like challenges to kind of getting on the same page that you Mm -hmm. think you could kind of put out in the world to sort of help people know, okay, you're not alone when this happens. And here's, here's 
one something that you can do to move forward? Oh, absolutely. I think um, one of the things I often hear is from either couple, I like doing this and, and I enjoy it. And then I say, well, great, do it then. Mm. You know, there's, there's no need to delegate something that you enjoy. Um, if there's something that you really dislike and it takes a ton of time, like going to the grocery store, look into grocery delivery service. Um, if that's an option or picking up your groceries, um, like a curbside service. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's figuring out in the family who likes to do different things. And if one partner loves to cook, delegate that to them. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's lots of things that all of us don't like to do and we just fundamentally end up having to do. Um, but thinking about the general categories of cleaning, cooking, birthday parties, that's a big one. You know, mm -hmm. you, you wouldn't think about that, but the amount of time to plan that, get the gift, go spend, you know, two hours of your valuable weekend time. All of that, I think, um, are things that folks don't think about right. planning social time, you know, uh, in terms of weekend time, I hear a lot from, uh, parents, uh, particularly in moms that they're in charge of the social calendar, the social schedule. And if they didn't plan it, the family wouldn't really do many activities. And so that's a big load as well. Um, and so I think it's just coming to parents from the perspective of understanding that everyone is unique. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's no cookie cutter. I don't ever come in with this cookie cutter, um, kind of list of let's check this off. It's really getting to know the family, getting a sense of what the dynamics are, um, and reminding everyone that the whole point of this is so everyone's life can run smooth. Mm. When you're not running around, when you have systems in place, when you have routines in place, um, and you know who's on base, so to speak, um, for parental duty, like you know, even as simple as dividing up the week and saying, if a kid gets sick and it falls on your day, it's on you. You're the parent on duty. Mm. Um, and if it falls on these days, it's on me. I'm the parent on duty. And, okay. and just having that set up rather than having to negotiate it in the middle of a busy work week when you're trying to get stuff done or whatever is on your agenda. Mm -hmm. Well, and one of the things I'm thinking as you're talking is like, I feel like it would help in the same way that we were talking about, like a lot of the kind of caretaking work is not as valued. I like this idea of like talking it through. Mm -hmm. So it almost is sort of like an acknowledgement, like this is all happening. There's not yes. a fairy that's doing that this. does it. Right. Yes. And so if it is happening by one person more than another mm -hmm. or vice versa, that okay, we've decided this. It's not mm -hmm. just the assumed that I'm just the picker upper of all that drops, you know? Precisely. Yeah. I like that a lot. Now, are, is it, I'm, I'm asking for a friend. Um, yes. Is, is it ever, are, are there ever patterns that are so entrenched that it's tricky to, to switch gears? Have you found that at all? Or have you found that people are open to change? Depend. Usually if someone is reaching out, mm. they're ready for change. Okay. Um, I think there are certain things that you can't change. Like for example, uh, my husband travels a lot for work that puts, uh, a lot on me when he's gone. Um, I can't change that, you know, um, but I can figure out ways to make my life and my kids' lives easier when we only have one parent. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if, if you're a single parent figuring out 
what resources that you could potentially bring in to help support you. But yeah, I think there are certain things um, in relationships that are kind of how they are. And it's really about what battles or what, um, what solutions the family wants to implement. Because there might be some that they just, it doesn't bother them or they think, well, this isn't worth the, the struggle or time to change it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. What, so what advice would you give to parents who are going to be welcoming their first child? If someone's listening to this and this, they're going to become a new parent. So a lot of what we're talking about, I'm like, I'm thinking about, I'm like, oh, I wish I had done that, you know? And and so, but these are people with maybe a fresh slate ahead of them. Mm -hmm. What, what are some resources or what are some things that you think would be like worth someone's time and just sort of mentally preparing, mm-hmm. knowing that mm-hmm. things do change and, you know, you kind of get, get surprises all along the way. And that's kind of a given. Absolutely. But what can we do better to sort of help prepare couples for this change in their family? Oh, yeah. a new person? that's a great question. I think, um, I mean, number one, I think is things like preparing for having the child in the realm of taking some infant care classes. So you feel more confident setting up your support network. Um, I think talking through the division of labor before you have your child is pretty essential. Uh, And most people don't do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so who's going to get up at night? Mm -hmm. You know, are, are you going to pump? so that your partner can feed your baby? Um, Or if it's a situation, if you're a single parent, do you have uh, a grandparent that's helping out? You know, can you pump in that sense? Or, you know, um, it's all thinking through almost like each section of the day. How are you gonna handle getting out the door in the morning? How are you gonna handle kind of the witching hour when you come home from work? Um, Or just when the child is kind of, flipping out around four or five, six o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I also think getting a therapist, you know, getting a family therapist so, so that in your back pocket, when things get hard, which they inevitably do, um, you have some resources to help you talk through and communicate about those challenges in a healthy way. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. And it's interesting talking about um, nursing. Yeah. I feel like it's in, I feel like the friends that I know that did not nurse had more clarity around like, how do we divide up? And I'm not suggesting nursing or not nursing, none of that, but Mm -hmm. just that sometimes because you're the feeding mechanism, it Mm -hmm. can, it can sort of snowball into you're the the primary caretaker. And it just, I, I I wish I had been a little bit more clear on that point that just because Mm -hmm. you're nursing doesn't mean that you're on point for all the things until you're done nursing. But exactly. I think it can easily roll that way because it's a big job and it's an important job. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of, so it, I don't, I, I think like what you were saying, like either pumping or, okay, I had all this time, like we got to make sure you're having some time also. Yeah, exactly. Or thinking through, you know, all right, if it's, if the feeding is going to be, you know, thinking through the options of feeding or saying, okay, you're the diaper changer, mm-hmm. um, the other partner, for example, or, um, you're the person who will get up with the baby at X hour or X hour, you know, especially in those early days when you're up every two, three hours, um, it would be great to have a schedule. Or one thing my husband and I did as we 
our baby was a little older, but we decided that each of us would take a turn on the weekend sleeping in mm. just to recoup some of that lost sleep. Right. Um, and, and so thinking through things like that, um, can make a big difference. And I agree the whole, you know, the, all the, 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 the thing about breast is best versus this or that I'm just like fed is best do mm-hmm. what's best for your family and try not to feed in too much about all the criticisms that are out there. It's a heavy load. Because it's too, crazy. Because, well, and there's very strong messaging. Yes. And I, I think that people believe fo- so heartily in their, in their, their side, if there is, you know, but it can create such mental drain if you feel like you're not doing it the quote unquote right way or the the quote unquote best way. And I I like that fed is best. Yeah. There's so much guilt around, Mm -hmm. Oh, I had to supplement or, Oh, you know, and it's like, there are people who are adopting children who, you know, are feeding with formula or what have you. And those kids are doing great. You Mm -hmm. know, I mean, this idea that, that, um, you also only have to think about the well-being of the child. I think we've gone a little too far. Um, and we also have to think about the well-being of the parents. You know, I, when I had my second child, I had postpartum depression. And my second child would only feed lying down um, in a side position. Mm-hmm. And that made it, I also had a toddler. And um, it made it completely impossible. I felt like I was going crazy. And, you know, I had a very, very close kind of mother figure friend come visit when my um, youngest was six months old. She said, Isha, have you thought about maybe stopping? Mm. And it was like, it's so sad to me to realize that her saying that gave me permission. Right. And, and in some ways I think, oh, well, why didn't I just give myself permission? But there was something about having someone I deeply respected say, hey, you've done a great job. You've done it for six months. You know, um, my, my uh, youngest also wouldn't take a bottle. So mm-hmm. I couldn't ever get away right. for more than, you know, a, a couple hours. And so I think it's thinking through things that seem impossible in some ways and recognizing that there's always a practical solution, you know, and it may not be perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, but maybe sometimes the best thing for me was to say, you know what? Yes, I am weaning my youngest. It's time. Um, and that just enabled me to get the resources I needed for my mental health. Um, and, and so I think it's, it's about looking at, I prefer kind of more of a family centered, centered approach than just a child centered approach because it's a whole unit in a system. And if one part of the system is falling apart because you're taking care of need, the needs of all the rest of the, the family members, it's still, it's not going to work in the right. long run. Right. And I think that's, I love that message. And I think it's a message that's very hard to remember when you're exhausted. You oh, know what I mean? Like possible. sort of like what I was saying about cooking yes. with the baby Bjorn. And yes. I'm like, this is a bad idea, but I don't like my brain is just, my brain is so tired. And so maybe being open to like trusted people. Yes. Saying what they're seeing, because maybe Mm -hmm. you're just, and and that doesn't mean question your own parenting intuition or anything, but like sort of knowing that maybe sometimes people might see things that you're not seeing because you're so tired and because it's sort of like, you're just afraid. I mean, even thinking back on that time, I have times like that where I'm like, I can't even believe we got through all of that. I mean, it can be yes. very, just some difficult, difficult times. And um, oh yeah, I think sort of almost normalizing that. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. mean stick with it, but it's 
to have that difficulty is probably normal. Mm-hmm. And then, but how do you get resources to sort of get out of that and not just be like, well, this is just how it is. And mm-hmm. it, it's not always easy, you no. know, but I, I love like your service and like you said, a therapist or a trusted mm-hmm. friend, you know, just mm-hmm. to sort of say, here's what's going on. Like, do you yeah. see something that I'm missing? Like, yes. what am I missing in this piece? Because yes. it's not working. Because you know? obviously we don't need unsolicited advice. My sure. God, we get so much of that as right. new parents. Yes. Um, but having someone trusted just say, hey, have you thought about, it was definitely presented in a, have you thought about this option? Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like you said, when you're so exhausted, it's very hard to problem solve problem solve. Or when you're depressed, it's very hard to problem solve. Um, And so having, you know, whether it's a professional or a good close friend um, come in and say, okay, let's think through some of the options. Um, It it can make a big difference. Yeah. When you were going through your experience with postpartum depression, did you feel like you knew that was what was happening at the time? Or do you just look back on it now and, and realize that was what was going on? It definitely took some time to kind of recognize the patterns and I can see it more now, but I definitely knew the main thing I knew I wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I felt completely overwhelmed and, but I didn't know what to do to resolve it. And frankly, I mean, this is granted um, quite a few years. My kids are now 10 and eight. I mean, even my OBGYN, the, the resources that they gave me were dated. Mm-hmm. And, and not incredibly helpful. And I think things have changed. I mean, it's in the past decade, I think there's been a significant change and probably a lot of it. I wasn't on social media back then. Um, there's a lot more kind of communities of support. There's a lot more, I think, just people being frank on social media about experiences of parenting um, to where you can feel more comfortable saying, this is really hard and I yes. don't know what I'm doing and I need some help. Right. Um, and so I think that's an improvement that I've seen um, in recent years. But I still think, you know, half the time we're our worst enemies because we beat ourselves up mm-hmm. um, because we don't think we're doing it the right way, you right. know, as if there's, you know, one universal way to raise a child. Right. Well, um, and I think sometimes, like you were saying, like you had a lot of good things going for you. So sometimes oh, yeah. when you have a lot of good things, it almost feels like, well, who am I to complain? I have shelter. I have resources. I have healthcare. I have, and I think there can be some shame involved in saying, okay, and I still need some help, you know, even though I I felt so guilty. I was like, I'm not living in poverty. I have a partner that's kind to me and, and cares for me. I, you know, I have all these things on paper. How can I be depressed? Mm -hmm. You know, I have these kids that I always wanted and it was very hard to have them. I had a lot of complications and miscarriage before and things of that nature. And so when I finally had my kids, the fact that I wasn't just in a blissful state, Mm -hmm. I felt incredibly guilty and shamed. Yeah. Well, and all the ads, I mean, the Pampers ads aren't like Mm -hmm. moms like crying and in the middle of the night trying to change diapers, you know, it's like joyful bliss of parenting. So we sort of are sold this one bill and it's kind of easy to feel like, oh, that doesn't look like what's happening Mm -hmm. here, you know? But then once you're in the club and you're a parent and you start talking to other parents, you realize we're all facing similar issues. Yes. You know, we're all kind of struggling through this and trying to figure it out. No one gives you the manual and no one tells you, frankly, how hard it's going to be. 
Right. Um, and I think it's good and important to recognize that, but also recognize to come from a place of gratitude of here are all the things that are working well, and this mm-hmm. is hard and recognizing it is a phase of life and it's not always going to be so difficult mm-hmm. as when, you know, you're up every two hours or every half hour and, right. um, you know, you just feel like you don't know quite how you're going to get through the next hour. Right. Well, I always felt like, and this is the the hope that I try to give people who are having babies is like, I felt like it got better by like month in like every three months. Yes. I felt like yes. there was kind of an uptick mm-hmm. and knowing that for my second child, I was like, all right, we're almost there. It just gives you a mental yes. map a little bit. Yes. And I'm not saying it's like foolproof, but no. I just felt like every, you know, as the child gets older and you get more in the, your new routine, mm-hmm. it just, the, the pressure of it starts to release yes. a little bit. Yeah. Perspective makes all the difference in the world. But again, when you're exhausted, when you're depressed, when you're whatever, it's very hard to have that perspective. Um, And so kind of creating, I think, you know, especially as a new parent, creating routines. When I finally Mm -hmm. found a gym that had a kid's club and I could go exercise and, you know, drop my youngest off there and know that I had an hour or so a day to myself, it made all the difference in the world. Yes, I agree. I would like to put this out in the universe. We need the gyms with the childcare mm-hmm. to also have a nap room for the moms. Because oh I remember going God. and being like, yes. I don't actually want to work out. Yes. I want to go to sleep. Yes. And so I'd either like find a little place to like mm-hmm. sit in a corner or find a chair to kind of look like I was taking a break in between like reps or something. Yes. <laughs> but really, I just really wanted a nap. So oh, I'm going to yes. put that out in the universe. I think I that would be the best thing ever. And people would work out still, but it's just, if oh, you really yes. just needed the rest, you get the rest. That's a perfect business model. Isn't it? <laughs> Someone should do it. I know. I love it. Um, well, what else, is there anything else that you were hoping I'd ask you about maybe about enriched family or about your own experiences that I haven't asked you about? Um, I think, I think you've asked me really wonderful questions that, um, I think the main thing I would say is that um, as parents, it's important for us to recognize that we uh, need and deserve resources. And right now, I think it's it's also about recognizing that the the structure that we have in the United States is not very supportive at all of working parents. And so recognizing that we are not the problem. The structure is the problem. And unfortunately, we're having to come up with practical individual solutions to a larger structural issue. Um, And and just kind of taking some of the weight and blame out of Mm -hmm. the situation. And, um, and if you can bring in a professional to help you, whether it's a, you know, uh, a doula that comes, you know, for postpartum care, whether it's a therapist, whether it's a good friend, whether it's someone like myself who can come in and, and help set up, you know, family systems, it is worth it um, to, to, expend the the funds and also the energy to set up systems for the family um, that will ultimately make your life much easier. Yeah. And, and more manageable. Yes. And it's interesting because I love, first of all, I love what you said about like the structural issues that like take off some of the blame of like somehow feeling like personally, well, why do I need this extra help? Well, because we're not really set up to thrive in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And then also just this idea of 
you think about all the things that we put so much thought into and yet we just expect family life to just work. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't, I'm trying to think of something we put a lot of energy into like, um, I don't know. Somehow fantasy football is coming to my mind. Like the amount of time people put into fantasy football leagues. And yet we just expect family life to just kind of work, you Mm -hmm. know, but we don't really set up systems for success, you know? Yes. Um, We spend much more time on fake football teams. Like, yeah. (laughs) And when would we ever have a project at work where we would just say, "Eh, we'll just see how it goes. You know, we would never do that. You know, I think you, we would, have a project manager and we would have a plan and, and all of these pieces in place. And yet sometimes we think, Oh, well, that's, that's a little uptight. If I, if I plan this out for my family or if I, you know, um, and if you want to have a more free flowing family life, great. Mm -hmm. But if you feel like you're lacking the structure, um, to make it smoother and that's a priority for you, then absolutely think through how you can implement that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. What is the best way that people can find out more information about you if they're le- interested in learning more? Absolutely. So uh, my website is enrichedfamily.com. Um, I also am on social media. My handle is at enriched family or folks can always call at 512-454-8804. Old school. Mm-hmm. Um, I do listen to voicemails cause I'm old. Uh, <laughs> Um, our folks can text as well. Um, and, uh, I also blog, um, and, and really just try and give parents great resource, rich information, as well as some local stuff on family activities here in Austin. Awesome. So the last question I usually ask people is, um, what do you do for your own self-care while you're helping all these other families? What's a really important piece that you try to make sure you keep going for yourself? That is such a good question. Um, and something I, I struggle with. <laughs> um, I have recommitted this year to self-care. Um, and so I actually recently bought a, um, a package of massages, which I'm so excited about. Um, I go to therapy. I go to couples therapy and individual therapy. Um, I try to meditate, although it doesn't always. I have the Calm app and they have a 10-minute daily meditation, which mm-hmm. I absolutely love. It's perfect for folks who have a hard time kind of sitting down um, and trying not to over schedule myself and say no, no to more things. I'm really mm-hmm. trying to embrace no in, in these days, just because you can't say yes to everything. You just can't. And if you do, you're taking away from other areas of your life. And so not feeling guilty about saying, no, that that's just not uh, an option for me right now. And that's okay. I love that. I love that. I think all of those are fantastic. And I just, I love, first of all, I think everybody's a work in progress in this respect. I I have never once asked anybody that's like, well, I nail self-care. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) that's not, it's kind of a work in progress. Um, But I love that you are taking the time to sort of think more about it. And I feel like I am just finishing a season where I have said yes to way too many things. And I almost didn't realize it until just now where it's like all kind of culminating. And I just yes. need to like, okay, take that experience, mm-hmm. learn from it. Yes. Because I think I say no to a fair amount of stuff, but mm-hmm. I'm, I, but even still, oh yeah, can end up being like, oh, I didn't really realize it was going to all converge in this one mountain. Oh, um, absolutely. I think, I think that's pe- so true. 
and people, I think, have become more receptive to hearing no. Like yes. instead of, I mean, at least the people that you want to be around, mm-hmm. you know, like that are like, oh, okay, yeah. well, that's fair. She, it's too much for her. Mm-hmm. I actually had a woman who I was supposed to do an episode with and she it was all set up. And then at the last, well, not the last minute, like the day before she said, you know what? I am just, I can't, it's too mm-hmm. much. I'm feeling so overwhelmed. And I wrote back and was like, I am applauding you for your self-care like that. You just nailed it. And she was like so appreciative. But I feel like the more we can acknowledge and kind of give people the space to say no, yes, the more than we can do it. You know, like I love that she did that to me. Like that kind of excites me. I'm going to do that at some point coming up, mm-hmm. you know, when I just, I can't do it. It's just yes. too much. And yes. it just kind of frees us all up a little bit. I think that's, and the, ex, the expectation that we're all going to be able to be on all the time and performing at 150% in every mm-hmm. area of our life is insane. Right. You know, I mean, I think we are doing the best we can and it is not easy. Um, and I think every single one of the things that I've spoken about, I've struggled with, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think coming to it from a place of, I get it. Mm -hmm. I get what it's like to be, you know, a a professional parent, a working parent outside of the home. And, and just, it takes a lot to make all of that function as smoothly as possible. And things still fall apart all the time. Right. That's, I mean, I think it's like giving ourselves some grace. Somebody, Um, somebody I talked to said something about like, just put that in the recipe. Like it's going to fall apart mm. at some point and just know that that's kind of part of the plan, you know, and that's it's just, so true. you don't know, necessarily know when it's coming in the yes. recipe, but it's just part of the the mix. Oh, that's and actually I love really that. smart. Yeah. To recognize that, you know, at your busiest point in, in life and work, probably your kids are going to get sick. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm always like, okay, yeah, now's about the, you know, <laughs> the worst possible time. I'm sure the school nurse is going to call me any minute. Right, you know? right. No, I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time. And I just love what you're doing. And I just think it's such a gift to families to be able to provide this kind of support for them. Oh, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. And it's a gift to me as well. I mean, it, I get a lot of satisfaction out of helping support parents and, and families. So thank you. Thanks for listening to The Family Brain. And if you'd like to join our online community, you can check us out on Facebook, The Family Brain Podcast, or on Instagram, The Family Brain Podcast, or on our website, familybrainpodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening. And if you feel inclined, I would love it if you leave a review or a rating on your Apple podcast. It helps people find the podcast and spread the word. Thanks so much. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.